I ended up getting like seventh place. And I just thought, you know, wow, I went from first a year ago to seventh. Like, I remember like just being so embarrassed and like nowadays, like as a grown man and thinking about it, like ain't nothing to be embarrassed about, about placing at a state tournament, especially in the state of Iowa in a bracket like that. But it wasn't what I wanted. And at the time I was brokenhearted, but well, that summer I made the Fargo finals in both styles. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the, the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time I spent wrestling, if it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast presented by Spartan Combat. Spartan Combat dropped the Kyle Dake and Yanni Diakmahalis wrestling shoes. They're available for pre-order now. There's six different designs. The shoes look amazing. I love the black and gold Kyle Dakes and the red and gold Yannis. Go to SpartanCombat.com to pre-order now. Today's episode is with Dylan Carew, founder and head coach of Big Game Wrestling Club, one of the top wrestling clubs in the state of Iowa. Dylan went to Iowa City West, where he was a two-time state champ. He was also a member of multiple team state titles. His Iowa City West high school team had five different Fargo champs on it. After high school, Dylan went on to wrestle at Iowa and then founded the Big Game Wrestling Club. Dylan and I went to high school around the same time, and we used to go to the same tournament every year. It was actually hosted at my high school, the Geneseo Bi-State Tournament. And so we have some overlapping memories, and it was fun to have him on. Can't wait for you to hear this interview. Fan of the Week goes to a recent Apple podcast review. This is a five-star review. The subject is Daily Wrestling Ritual. I listen to this podcast just about every morning in preparation for work. Nothing gets me fired up like listening to fellow wrestlers tell their stories about what makes the sport so great. We also had a review from Marcos319, a five-star review. Says they're always looking forward to the next one. Thank you so much to everyone who's left an Apple Podcast review. If you haven't done so already, get out your phones. If you listen on, on Apple, leave an Apple Podcast review. If you listen on Spotify, give us a rating. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. This episode is also brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. And I want to thank a recent podcast listener for giving a $1,500 donation. Thank you so much. And I want to call it the challenge now to whoever's listening. Who's going to be the next listener of this podcast to support Beat the Street Chicago? This is a first-class organization. And a lot of times people don't know where their money's going with nonprofits. 
Beat the Street Chicago is doing it right, folks. They have incredible leadership. They have a lot of numbers. They're the largest wrestling organization in Illinois. They self-fundraise to build a standalone facility. And now they're in a fundraising drive as we speak. Go to btschicago.org slash donate. btschicago.org slash donate to support the cause. And that's it, folks. Let's give it up for Dylan Carew. Dylan Carew, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. It's it's gonna be this is gonna be a fun one. For folks who don't know, you grew up in Iowa City, about an hour from where I grew up. We're like a couple years apart, so a lot of memories we have through high school are probably similar. I want to start though with you're out at the big game wrestling club, and we're gonna get into how you founded that and, and all of it, but I was talking to Brian Medlin, who was at the World Cup. He said they had their whole camp at your facility. Yeah, we were pretty lucky. Uh, we basically ended up hosting the World Cup camp um, and having all the senior level athletes and coaches and everybody here, which provided to be a very unique experience. Um, you know, I don't know if it'll ever happen again. So it was pretty awesome to get to have all those guys here and get to spend a week, you know, watching them train, being right in there with them and getting to host them. You know, that was uh, probably one of the highlights of opening this facility for sure. Yeah, no, Medlin was just couldn't stop talking about the facilities, how he's like, we could do our cut there. Everything was right there. It was just amazing. And I got to get out to see it, man. I come out to Iowa City a fair amount. My mom lives in Maquoketa, so I'm out in Iowa a decent amount. So I got to get out there and see that thing. Yeah, man, anytime. We got to definitely have an open door policy. That's for sure. Yeah, and it's it's cool because you – what's the name of the facility? The Tom Lepic Wrestling Complex is the name of it. Um, Tom – was a guy that he's uh, here in the Iowa City area, longtime wrestling um, leader. I wrestled at Iowa long time. He was the Hawkeye Wrestling Club president at one point, Iowa City West wrestling coach, and just supporter of wrestling in general in the area. So when we needed to open the facility, you know, we were probably about a year financially from, you know, being able to have everything that I would have wanted, you know what I mean, with, you know, the nicest everything. So I went and talked to Coach Lepic and – um, I've known him since I was a little kid and we had a meeting and uh, I was pretty nervous going in there, you know, asking for, you know, an amount of money that, you know, was pretty good. And uh, for the naming rights of the facility and whatnot and a partnership between us, you know, to show the support from the community. And uh, Coach Lepic jumped on board right away, stood up, gave me a hug, was like, I love you, buddy. I got you. And, wow. and him and my dad. Um, the support that we get from those guys and then you know now the rest of the community it's it's really the reason why we have this facility and why we have you know the ability to do things the way we do here and man that's so cool because to to go and ask for money is a tough thing did going into that meeting do you think he knew you were getting ready to make an ask or he had no idea um i think so you know what i mean i think he probably had an idea because i kind of you know precursored it with him um, and he, it's not like the first time he supported anything that any of us boys have done. I mean, he was a real big part of helping West High Wrestling for a long time in Mark Island. And so, I mean, he helped us go to Fargo. He funded teams, all, all kinds of things, all these years that he's helped with. Um, I'd be a liar if I didn't say I was nervous. I mean, I, you know, I told my dad going in the meeting, I'm like, you know, I don't know what to expect, blah, blah, blah. You know, and I got out of there and it was only like a – a 10, 15 minute meeting. I mean, it was, 
Dude. When, when you're around good people, you know, things tend to go pretty easy. And that guy's world class. So, I mean, it was, you know, honestly, you know, a dream come true. You must have been so jacked walking out of that meeting. I was pretty stoked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you mentioned those, uh, you know, those Iowa City West teams. I mean, I don't think people realize just how deep those teams were. How many Fargo champs? Um, I was trying to think about that this morning when I woke up because I figured that between our history that that would come up. So myself, Nate Moore, Nick Moore, Derek St. John, Grant Gambrell were five for sure. And I couldn't remember if Ridge, Kylie won one. So if Ridge did win one uh, right before he came to West High, he was for sure a Fargo All-American. But if he won one, we had six on the same team. Um, otherwise, five for sure. And those five guys, everybody won at least one. That's stupid, dude. That is just crazy. Now, this is a name that I remember this guy being an absolute killer. Like, I was intimidated from this guy, and I was like the same age as him. Was Justin Cothy an Iowa State guy, or is this a different school? I can't remember. No, yeah, so Justin Cothy was an Iowa City West kid as well. But this he is was, way after? He was a freshman when I was a senior. Okay, because that yep. dude was an assassin. I remember yeah. he was just intimidating, bro. He was tough, tough, yeah. tough kid, man. So let's go back to the beginning for you. So were you an Ubasa kid or where did you get your start? Yep. So I started um, in Iowa City, obviously, in the kids clubs. I actually, back in the day, went to City High and West High's kids programs. Um, nice. And then I think I started with Pablo when I was either six or seven um, out of Carver Hawkeye. You know, that was kind of the start for Pablo. We were right there at the beginning. We were just little kids running around in there. Um, and then Pablo was my only club coach my entire career. Um, and then Mark Ryland stepped in my career real young when we knew we were going to go to West High at a young age. So those two guys and my dad were really, you know, the, the coaches that I had then. And how did it come to be that you guys were all going to go to West? Uh, you know, basically, that's a wild thing because I think a lot of people probably you know back in the day when I was in high school everybody assumed everybody was recruited to go there blah blah blah, all this stuff right we I mean, we'd have reporters ask us you know did you guys get recruited to come here and like Ryland would be shaking his head laughing and like basically the long story short is, is that us boys grew up in Pablo's club together and back then our dads always said that we were going to go to school together and Mark Ryland you know was deep into USA wrestling and he did a lot and it was easy to make that, you know, transition to that. We were all going to go to West high because of the guy that was coaching all the time. And, you know, um, and, you know, we wanted to wrestle together. We were, we're a unique group of kids. You know, you see a lot of people talk about like, Oh, these are my wrestling brothers, blah, 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 all that. Well, like those boys that I just named are still like, I talk to them every single day. Like it's wow. not like just, went to club wrestling together and then when we went to club wrestling together we went to high school together we wrestled in college together we do business together like our lives are solid i mean truly like those guys are we all grew up more like brothers than we did friends you know right brothers and train like brothers and everything that goes with that i guess (laughs) bro the amount of time you guys just spent traveling and hanging out is crazy yeah i mean i think saint john's mom has some videos and photos and stuff from back in the day that instantly when you said that like traveling together we have some pretty funny stuff from way back then but I, yeah I mean I couldn't even possibly 
put together like the time of that. And like, we didn't just wrestle together. Like our, we hunted together, like our dads and our families, everything. If we vacation, people vacation together, you know, it was, there was nothing that wasn't together. Right. That's what makes it cool because even though you were coming together for this kind of like quote unquote, what looked like from afar, like a dream team, you guys have been together from the get go. So it was like a cohesity um, that you guys all had. And you talk about dude, Nate Moore. I mean, you mentioned earlier, maybe just a couple high school losses. That dude was on fire in high school. I mean, he was one of the toughest, most formidable guys you could wrestle in high school. Yeah, I think, uh, honest to God, I don't think Nate Moore gets the respect. Uh, I don't either. What he deserves. In my opinion, I don't know if there was, there's definitely not very many more dominant wrestlers than Nate in high school. And, you know, outside of, you know, a couple matches, you know, that didn't go his way, you know, I don't even think he had a close match and he beat not only in the state of Iowa, but like, I mean, I could tell you some of the guys that he beat on the national scene. Like, you know, I can't, I don't even know how many stop signs he has from high school, from Fargo and like Fila's and stuff, but definitely five or more. And I know that for sure. Um, he was, I don't think I scored a takedown on Nate until maybe like my junior year of high school. Dude, I'll, I'll never forget when I was in eighth grade on Christmas break, city high used to have like a Friday night tournament and like Christmas break time. And we shot over there, not knowing anything about the Iowa city West. I'm going to call it the mob. It was like mob mentality, man. We rolled in there with the Illinois stuff on and I wrestled Nate Moore and the dude just beat me like a drum. I mean, I couldn't even score a point. Never felt someone that strong. And like, he didn't really have a lot of emotions. You didn't know what you were going to expect out there. And that dude was just so solid. He was just stone cold. I mean, and, and literally like, like exactly solid. You couldn't, couldn't get through him. You know what I mean? You couldn't shoot on him. You couldn't stop his shots when he attacked. He was real, real solid. And honestly, I mean, I credit a lot of the success that the other guys around him had to how good Nate was his whole life. You know, and mm -hmm. I talk about that in our wrestling club now where like when, when you got a guy like that, that nobody can beat, you know, it brings the level of the room up and it wasn't, you know, that was one of the things that for us boys, like we weren't necessarily uh, jealous of each other ever. We, we pushed each other really hard. And if someone was winning something, it was just the expectation that the others should be winning that too. And if it wasn't that way, you know, you were going to hear about it from each other. And, you know, it wasn't, there was never like that. I, you know, that, like I said, that like what you see in some kids now or like you know, social media life almost where like, we were just like, no, like we're all going to win. And like, if you don't win, you know, we're going to make sure that you do next time type deal. <laughs> and I think you're spot on with, you cannot put a value on having guys around your club or room that are winning. And then everyone else just expects to win. Like I, I cause I didn't realize this until I started coaching some really elite guys and you go to a tournament with them and everyone else just thinks they're going to win too because they're around these studs. And it's like, it's not that easy, but over time hanging out with guys with high expectation does raise the bar for everyone. And like, it just shows them it's possible. So he was kind of a, he was kind of that guy during your era. Yeah, he, he definitely kind of set the bar, I would say in our friend group. And then, you know, over the years, everybody else, you know, elevated up um, and, you know, we were all fortunate because of that. And then, you know, everybody had their own individual uh, strengths that we brought to the the table as well. But that was definitely, you know, kind of, I would say the start when we were kids was, you know, you were 
you're gunning to just be able to compete with Nate. He was definitely the toughest kid in Pablo's room when we were kids. I mean, there was no doubt about it. What's he doing now? Uh, he's the head coach at Iowa City West. So Oh, no shit. Yeah, full circle deal there is that, you know, so we always joke around like people, you know, call it the West High bad boys. And like, so now, you know, one of the, like you said, the mom and mob mentality, like, like that's kind of like a real thing. Like we joke around like people somewhere along the line. I mean, I could tell you the whole story of how we got the name, but it's kind of funny. It was uh, in college that someone made a joke about called us the West High bad boys. And I was just like, man, that's going to stick. And it did after that. And so um, we used to joke around and say Mark Ryland was, you know, like the the OG West High bad boy, the leader. Now Nate's the the head coach there, and he runs a business here in the Iowa City area. He's doing real well. What's he do for a business? He owns Allspray Power Washing. So they uh, they do power washing, and then they stain decks and stuff, the snow removal, uh, you know, blue collar work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah, it's so cool to see all these wrestlers that are like doing their own businesses and just like making it happen, you know, out there. Yeah. It's it's way more than people think. I mean, it, very few go on to coaching at the college level, right? So, yeah. Um, and I had read even with your facility, do you still have a day job or is Big Game now your day job? Um, me and my brother, we go to work every morning. So my dad started uh, Crew Landscaping 35 years ago, and me and my brother run it for him now. So we uh we go to work first thing in the morning work all day go to wrestling practice and then go home at night so we don't uh wrestling isn't doesn't pay the bills for us you know crew landscaping is really kind of what allows us to do um our club the way that we do it you know and, and that's it's fun because like when we hosted the world cup camp like i think a lot of those people don't understand that until they come here you know they just hear about a big club or see a club doing well and whatnot but then when guys come here and they see, you know, all of our employees and the equipment going in and out every day. And then, you know, if we have to leave to go work or whatnot, you know, or we come in covered in mud, you know, it gives a little bit more perspective of, you know, how much work goes into this club. I mean, it's a, it's an insane level and every other Academy out there. I would, I just imagine they're full time. I mean, when I was in high school, the, the number one was overtime and they had four adults making good money as coaches for this club, you know? And so I, I know your club is just as big as any of those now. And so to do a full-time job and run the businesses, run the wrestling club business is impressive. So for folks who know you now as the coach of big game in high school, freshman state champ, that's, that's one of the rarest things you can have happen. What did you feel your sophomore year kind of carrying that bullseye on your back throughout the season? Um, you know, my sophomore year was like one, probably one of the wildest years of my high school career. Um, it kind of started what ended up being the end of my career, which is crazy too. So, um, that's a, a real loaded question, but I always wanted to be a four-timer, right? I was Mark Ryland's first freshman state champion, um, and West High's, I think West High's first freshman state champion. And so like, I, I, I didn't really feel any pressure. But, like, my first tournaments of the year, like, you remember Tyler Clark? Oh, yeah. Like, one of the first tournaments of the year, man, Tyler Clark moved to Iowa. And I have to wrestle Tyler Clark, uh, who ended up being my college roommate. And he stood in my wedding. I stood in his, which is, like, you know, full circle stuff again. But he was ranked, like, number three in the country, two or three in the country. And I had to wrestle him right away. And I beat him in overtime 
And like, that's when I knew, like, I was like, all right, like, you know, I wasn't just a freshman state champ. I was pretty darn good. You know what I mean? And McDonough was in that bracket. Uh, Brett Bombach was in that bracket. Tommy Morocco was in that bracket. Myself. Um, there was, I mean, there were some real heavy hitters. I mean, towards the end of the year, I think Bombach, me, uh, Tyler Clark and McDonough were all ranked in the top like 12 in the country. And me and Tyler Clark wrestled first round. I remember that, bro. I, I remember watching that from afar because, or maybe just reading about it, because I think it was the same time as Illinois, but Tyler Clark, you never met someone with more confidence and just more, you just refused. I, I'd never seen someone so confident. It was me, him, and Clayton Rush growing up, and he was just a killer. And he moved to Bettendorf, like you said, I think his junior, senior year, wrestled for Danny Knight. And so that, so I always had heard this story that he won like a one-pointer in the first round. I thought it was against McDonough. It was against you that it year. It was against me. Rever- so so I was a random me. draw? Yeah. Well, then, so here's the thing. So I lost to McDonough at Districts. Jesus. So if you, if you lose <laughs> at Districts, you can wrestle a, a two from a district would be blind draw to wrestle one from another another district. So I had knee surgery, my first one ever in my career, like in the middle of the season, like two weeks before Districts. And so, like, my first tournament back was against – mcdonough and you know that was a, a tough match for me because i ended up getting tired and he ended up beating me and then i wrestled clark first round and i lost and then i like wrestled right back and wrestled a kid named tyler grask who ended up wrestling at iowa state who was a couple times state champ in iowa like that was my very next match after i lost to clark and so then i maybe won one lost to bombach um and like, man, I thought, like, I ended up getting like seventh place. And I just thought, you know, wow. Like, I went from first a year ago to seventh. Like, I remember, like, just being so embarrassed. And like, nowadays, like, as a grown man and thinking about it, like, especially as a coach, I'm like, you know, there ain't nothing to be embarrassed about, about placing at a state tournament, especially in the state of Iowa in a bracket like that. But it wasn't what I wanted. And at the time, I was brokenhearted. But that summer, I, you know, I always tell the kids here, I'm like, you know, that happened and it was a bad thing. Well, that summer I made the Fargo finals in both styles, one OW. Um, I think that that high school bracket was one of the best that there's ever been in the state of Iowa. That was really, really tough bracket. Who won between Clark and McDonough in the finals? Um, McDonough won on a full Nelson call and double overtime. I believe. Oh, I believe. God, what? Yeah. I believe that that's what it was. She, and now Clark is a coach for you guys now, right? Yep. Yep. Wow. So Tyler and me, you know, that's my boy. We've been friends for a real long time now. He's the only he, guy I know who went from Iowa State to Iowa. Like, yep. I don't know anyone else who's done that. You know, what's funny, too, is when he came, so me, him, and Daniel Dennis lived together. Uh, <laughs> those were my roommates, yep. And I used to mess with Tyler Clark pretty good. Um. I used to, he does not like clowns and I used to mess with him and put clown stuff in his room and under his bed and stuff just to mess with him. But one day I came out of, and, and I don't know where he got it from, but he found a picture of him getting his hand raised and me crying or whatever after he beat me that year at state, my sophomore year. And he had it put up on our fridge in our house. And I, <laughs> that's the best one. There's no, there's wow. no messing around after that. <laughs> 
it's funny because he um when he transferred to Iowa, he beat Ramos in the wrestle off, I think multiple times. And then yeah, he times. and he's and then Ramos did better at Midlands. And so Ramos started, I think, if I'm yep. remembering it correctly. Wow. Man, that's that's so wild that he lived with you. I didn't realize it came full circle like that. Yeah. It was it was funny, man, because I we wrestled and like, you know, we were kind of friends, but we were kind of frenemies, if you will. You know what I mean? Because you know how, how it is. Like you're you're casual guys, but you want to beat him. And he was a guy coming from Illinois, coming to Iowa. And, you know, I'm an Iowa boy my whole life. I'm like, and you know better than anybody the Iowa Illinois thing. Oh, it's heated. It's heated. Like that doesn't change, never will. Never. And so it's like this dude ain't coming to Iowa. And like, but then like I said, like, I mean, I love that dude. He's He's really a, a good person. He's a great dad now. Um, he's got an awesome job. You know, he's one of the best. That's for sure. Is he still at Striker? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he he comes to Iowa City um, and works at the hospitals here. So we get to see him have lunch and stuff. And then he's helping out a little bit with the club. So it's great. Nice he's man. He's all for himself. He's the best. Tyler, if you're listening, you're the man. Big big fan of Tyler Clark, and uh, he knows that. So you, that's your sophomore year. He was a senior. So then your yep. junior year, did you wrestle McDonough in the finals? I lost to McDonough in the semis, I believe seven to six. It was okay. I gave up scramble right out of the go, gave up five points. Um, ended up being a real close match. I think I gave up maybe a couple penalty points. Um, I don't remember the whole I probably remember it one way, maybe it was different. I don't know. So, <laughs> so but when it was lost, in the semis. Yeah, lost that one. Um and then my senior year, uh, obviously, I won it again and, you know, kind of took care of that year. And and we got to hit on the, the big team title. So tell me how the team title is decided in Iowa. Is it tournament or duels? Both. And so my first two years uh, in high school, we won uh, duels and traditional state. And then my last two years, we got second in both to Waverly. So we traded, we traded them in high school. Um, so that was kind of fun. And I mean, we had some wild rivalries with, uh, uh, with Waverly back in those days too. Did you guys duel them outside of the state series or no? Yeah, we did. Um, was that a big dog duel me? I had to be there crazy. Was a crazy one that my, I'm trying to remember what it was. My junior year, um, we wrestled them twice. So my sophomore year, we wrestled them. Um, and we beat them and you know, in my opinion, that was the best West high team ever. Maybe one of the best, um, teams in the state of Iowa history. And, uh, then the next year we wrestled them and I don't remember who won to be honest, because of some, I wrestled Mark Balwig who ended up being one of my teammates. I moved up to wrestle him. Wow. And I moved up to wrestling and I remember, you know, being a little bit, um, I was definitely anxious for that match because Mark, you know, was a bad dude and he was ranked really high in the country. Um, but Nick Moore had beat him the year before. Nick Moore was a giant killer as well. And Nick beat him as a freshman at state and then lost to him the next week at dual. That's Nick Moore's only high school loss ever either. So if you're talking about like some of the greatest, in Iowa high school history either, like Nick Moore. I mean, one loss, Mark Balwig. He beat Balwig as a freshman at state? Freshman at state, yeah. Oh, my God. The place must have been going crazy. It was insane. And so, 
Yeah. So that I'm getting was... chills over here. I'm getting chills. I'm just like, yeah. uh, cause you, to your point, the ball wigs also intimidating, bro. Very oh, intimidating. Dude, one of the best wrestling families ever in the state of Iowa, those boys and their dad, you know, their dad was a very, very tough dude too. Um, a good college wrestler himself. And, uh, they were intimidating kids. I mean, they were just rugged, hard kids to wrestle. And so I remember being like, you know, pretty well, anxious and nervous ready to wrestle mark and i remember nick moore walking up to me and going dude he's like i beat him if i did you can we had this crazy match where it was like maybe zero zero going to the third period and mark picked down and i was pretty good on top and i had kind of you know um you know a little series between a mark perry and nick simmons type deal um you know and a lot of people hated me for it you know, and uh, it was borderline, whatever. And uh, I ended up scoring a bunch of back points in the third period and went in pretty handily. And both coaches, Rick Caldwell and Mark Ryland, were like in the middle of the mat. There was parents like going crazy. I mean, like it wasn't quite the Geneseo story, but it was it was pushing towards that way. Let's put it that way. So what was it like a Merkel type thing on him or what'd you have? Yeah. So, you know, like Perry does his suck back and Simmons like will go over the top and kind of, you know, choke people. It was a combination of both. <laughs> you know, it could, it could be, um, it could be anything in between there, depending on how, you know, how you wanted to use it, I guess. Um, you know, we, te I teach it to my kids now, but just a little bit different, you know, just so that, I think I gave up two penalty points to McDonough with it. Um, it turned out to be a big thing. Like my junior and senior year, I had to show every single referee before dual meets and at the state tournament, my move, what I was doing. And really, I told, I remember telling Mark Ryan, like, you tell me another time that a kid has ever had to show officials um, what he's doing at the Iowa high school state tournament. I'm like, I didn't think that was fair. And they told me that they were either going to call it illegal or potentially dangerous, depending on what the referee, you know, felt. And I'm like, well, that doesn't seem normal. And, <laughs> and you got to just imagine Iowa City West was so hated at this time because of the the dream team you guys had that I'm sure that people were just looking to get you guys. I mean, I mean it, people, it, people were writing letters, like all kinds of stuff. I mean, people would write letters to the paper to try to get kids in trouble and like you know talk about you know this alleged recruiting and things like that we there was definitely i mean a cloud around iowa city west that people loved to hate us and if oh, the west High kid got beat you know you were gonna it was it was gonna the arena was gonna erupt you know what i mean and for us kids like it was fun man i just think about it like i don't remember ever feeling that pressure which is you know, was the best. I mean, maybe we were arrogant kids. I don't know. Probably, um, especially myself. I would think most people, you know, would laugh at that comment. But see, I always felt that. So we would go to the Keith Young and Cedar Falls. Did you guys yep. go to that? No, we never did. You never did. So we saw you at the gym. Yeah. yeah, it was. But so we went to that my junior and senior year. We were the only Illinois team there. And I remember, you know, the Geneseo Bi-State was the tournament I went to as an elementary school kid all the way through high school. And you know, I always knew that Iowa City came, but you know, I'd never really experienced Waverly Shell Rock. And I thought they were like the ruffians. Like these guys had like mullets. They were like, I thought they were like the dudes who were like kind of cocky and arrogant. And they were bruisers, bro. And they had yeah. like the black and yellow. And I'll never forget going to that Keith Young tournament. 
And one of my teammates, Adam Sheely, wrestled Balwick in the finals. I wrestled yeah. Mike Milley in the finals. Dude, they were tough, though. I used to wrestle Mike Milley, too. Yeah? My sophomore year, I wrestled Mike. He was in that bracket as well. Jesus. That sophomore, that sophomore year bracket, he was in that one as well. Wow. Just, yeah. But, no, the I'll tell you that the Waverly guys, I mean, and back then, dude, I mean, I we, like, hated each other. Like, I mean, all the way. You know, the coaches didn't really get along. I mean – there was one pretty good story where now Eric Whitcomb is like one of my best friends and Orton, who was one of my assistant coaches in high school. Like those dudes were like nose to nose. And now like Eric brings his kids down every once in a while to work out with this. A bunch of the Waverly kids work out in my club and Orton coaches with me because his son's in the club. And I give both of them crap all the time. I'm wow. Like, remember, I always tell the other one, I'm like, remember when uh, Orton was going to beat you up, Whitcomb? And I always tell Orton, you know, remember when Whitcomb was going to beat you up? <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's how it was. But then outside of that, like in the summer, we were friends with those guys. So like, it was, it was good heated rivalry, I guess. Um, that was always put behind. It. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, Iowa, USA wrestling is pretty unique is, is that it's pretty heated all year, but then in the summer, you know, typically everybody comes together and that was that way then as well. And, you know, now like yesterday, Rick Caldwell came over and sat down at my table at lunch and uh, like we've all become such good friends and him and Mark Ryland became really close um, over the years before Mark's um, death. And, you know, so it's, it's, it was pretty awesome. Waverly, Shell Rock and Iowa City West were the best things for each other. I can tell you that. And all the kids that were involved. So Caldwell was the coach of Waverly? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I know that. And you talk about Iowa USA Wrestling. Now, I'm, I'm going to forgive the drumming you put on Team Illinois Greco this summer. And that, <laughs> that hurt. Because uh, that Greco, we can always bank on Illinois putting up a couple junior and cadet national titles. Now, when you were going to national and cadet duels, did you go for Team Iowa on yep. juniors and cadets? Or Yep. So I wrestled cadet duels um, a couple times, I'm trying to think, and junior duels once. Um, I didn't get to wrestle in junior duels much because I tore my ACL twice. Um, that kind of, you know, limited things for me. That's where, like in my Fargo career, you know, I wrestled freshman, sophomore year, and so I wrestled cadets. And then the only juniors I ever wrestled was I wrestled Greco once because my knee was hurt um, the other two years. So I really, I went up there and Ryland convinced me to wrestle. Um, he was like, you could still win Greco with one bad knee for sure. And I ended up losing to a kid named Cole Schmidt, who was a, a tough Greco kid back in the day too. So that was the only, uh, that was the only Greco match I lost in Fargo. Um, so it's like, because I remember you went in Fila Cadets a couple times, and that yeah. was at the time maybe tougher than Fargo in some situations. Yeah, it was. That's now what would be the Cadet World Teams, right? Is um or the equivalent, and I those were a couple of the best tournaments I ever wrestled in my life were at the Fila tournaments. Um, but I do think you know it was equally as tough as Fargo, if not tougher, for sure. Dude, how funny is it that back? In the mid two thousands, the thought of the cadet world team was on no one's mind. No one no. even thought about it. You got you won cadet, you won Fila cadets, and you got offered to go on a tour. Like you could go overseas to whatever thing. Like you know what I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a thing. Like I, I remember that. Now I'm like, I've never been overseas for wrestling, so I'm like, 
man, that would have been cool. You know, if that was a thing, you know, mm-hmm. I would have now I'm just trying to get kids to make teams so that we can go. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. But it is just uh no one. I don't know why people didn't think about it, because I've looked at Fila or UWW and it's like they had those tournaments those years. I mean, for the juniors, at least. I don't know about cadets, but yeah, it's um, it's funny how much it's changing. You know, I, I know you're seeing that now with your club and kind of how you got to where you're at is amazing high school career. You go to University of Iowa and as you've alluded to a couple of times, you've had knee injuries your whole life. So yeah. what was kind of the what was the situation where it was like your second year and you had double ACL surgery? Yeah. So I think coming into Iowa, I just had an ACL um, reconstruction and then I wrestled my red shirt year that summer into university nationals. I got hurt at university nationals, um, and had surgery right after that came back in the fall and got hurt right before wrestle offs and Iowa city duels. I tore my ACL on my right knee and I, and that was for the second or third time. I can't remember. And then, um, we wrestled Iowa city duels. And that Monday I was wrestling in the room and uh, tore my other ACL in my left knee. And I ended up having double ACL, MCL meniscus surgery. And uh, that was pretty tough. You know, I think the only other guy to ever have that is Spencer Lee. That's the only, right. that's the only two guys that I've ever heard of that have had that, at least at the University of Iowa. So like when Spencer had that um, surgery last year, like I sent him a message and was just like, hey, dude, you know, I know what you're about to go through. Probably not very many people do. I'm like, you know, so good luck. And, you know, that guy's obviously as elite as they come. So, you know, and seemingly he's pulling out of it. So good for him. That's, you know, that's remarkable. Um, Cause you were going to wrestle with just the, the one, the one yeah. ACL tour. You're like, fuck yeah. it. I'm in the lineup. It's Iowa. I'm going for all my boys are in the lineup. Cause like that the was... year prior, all your guys did all American, right? St. John. Yeah. Yep. And that was the thing. It was like, all right. I mean, like I had to watch last year, you know, from being hurt and like, we're going to do it again. I'm not waiting. And I remember Tom Brand saying to me, I had gotten an MRI um, and he was like, you know, it's not good. He's like, it's not good. And I'm like, I don't care. And he was like, you know, well, how, you know, you want to be a Hawkeye? And I'm like, yeah. Like that was all, that was basically like the extent of the conversation after the first one, right? This is like, you know, we're going to, I can do this. And so I've wrestled hurt with a bad knee for, you know, like I said, already since sophomore year in high school, I'm like, I can do this. And we had a great trainer at the time in Matt Doyle. And I really believed in that. And then I tore the other one and it was just like, all right. You know, and then everybody, I remember we had this little meeting, me, Doyle and Tom Brands and, they were just like, yeah, this is not, you know, you can't do this. This is, this is crazy. You know? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of agreed at the time. And then, you know, I guess all these years later, you know, to see if, you know, Spencer did do it, you know, that's insane. Cause I know what it was like. I know what it felt like, you know, to not have two knees. <laughs> and I'm so glad you mentioned that because you're, you know, you were in high school, you know, multiple time national champ as elite as they come and just for you to go through that and then kind of compare what spencer did with his situation like how do you rate like how difficult that must have been to wrestle with with no acls i i mean i i can't even 
begin to wrap my head around how tough <laughs> that kid must be. Um, and, you know, I think that there's unique humans and I think that there's unique circumstances where people can really, you know, get through things. And um, a lot of it comes down to, you know, I, you know, I've tried to think about that for him, you know, is, is it's insane. You know, I guess you got to get on top, you know, don't give up the first takedown don't get underneath someone and you probably got the best chance, but you know, anybody that's ever had a, a torn ACL can, can, start to think about how hard that must be to compete at that level and to see a guy do that is just, you know, it's really insane. When you have a 20 CL, is it that you have constant pain or only when you put it in certain situations then you get like a spike of pain? Like the right away, it feels like you break your leg and that's like the immediate reaction is that's how bad it hurts. And when it snaps and then it hurts for a few days, like, where it'll be like real pain and then it's just unstable. And that's really what, you know, I experienced more than anything was the unstableness. And, you know, I scrambled a lot and whatnot. So like when I think about like Spencer is, is maybe he's a little bit, he wrestles a little bit more tight, a little bit more solid and is, was in control of a lot more Where my style. I, I probably couldn't have done that because the guys were hitting my legs. I scrambled, I rolled, you know, I kick legs in on top, you know, I think stylistically would be the difference between being able to compete hurt like that and not. And, you know, my style didn't probably allow for that. I probably should have sprawled a little bit more um, and not tried to cut so many corners, but whatever. Um, and, you know, so that's the thing is, is like every little time it gets tweaked or whatever, because eventually your hamstring will take over somewhat for your, your ACL, or at least in the right rehab situations. Uh, but it's extremely difficult. And I think so a year ago I had ACL number six. Yeah. What? Yeah. Why? Just for your club, just so you could practice and coach or what? Yeah. I kind of, so I ended up having an, I got my body got real beat up about a couple of years ago here again. And I had neck surgery followed by elbow surgery, followed by another knee surgery, followed by a shoulder surgery. Those were all last year. I had, Did you have like a crash or what happened? No, I just, I wrestling, really what happened was wrestling Wyatt Volker and Ben Keeter every night for like a year. My neck that was already hurt got real bad. And those two, uh, you know, I credit to them that they kind of finished it off and Tate Nactaborn didn't help that either. Um, but those kids, and all of a sudden my neck was so bad. I'm like, I didn't know if it was my neck or my shoulder that was the issue. So I went in and it started getting real, real bad. And to the point where I couldn't work. I lost feeling in my arm, all kinds of stuff. So I ended up going and seeing a neurospecialist at the University of Iowa. And he told me that I need neck surgery. Um, and I tried to wait. And then I was down at our farm and I stepped off a trailer. And it was like God himself hit me in the back of the head with a bat. And from that point forward, um, basically, if I didn't have my wife <laughs> taking care of me, um, I was pretty, I was pretty rough, man, for a while. And so I went in and got an MRI on my neck and my shoulder. And they were like, yeah, you got to do this. And so then I was like, well, my elbows hurt too. So maybe I'll just do that. I needed Tommy John in my elbow. And so I was like, maybe I'll get that done. And then just a freak deal. I was up in the wrestling room, um, with my brother, we were showing some technique after Fargo and my brother like picked me up in a, a bear hug and just set me down. Like, just like when you see one of your boys run up, grab them, pick them up and let go like, like that. 
and my feet hit the mat and my knee wasn't there. And I knew instantly what happened. Derek St. John and Allie Reagan were sitting on the wall and I like went crawling over to them. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, I just tore my ACL. And Derek was like, you know, again, that's my childhood boy. So he just immediately starts talking shit to me and it's like, stop it. You're such a pussy. Like stand up, you know, that kind of thing. I'm like, no, dude, I know exactly what this feels like. So then I had to like schedule again with my orthopedic surgeon. I called him and I like went in there and I'm like, Hey, Dr. Wolf. I'm like, uh, I'm a hundred percent sure that I tore my ACL. And he's like, well, I don't know, you would know, I guess. He's like, so if you believe it, he's like, we'll do an MRI. And so then he, he did. And sure enough, it was destroyed. And so I had a crazy knee surgery that last year that was, I'm still recovering from it right now. Bro, let's hope, let's hope crew landscaping has health insurance. Yeah, no doubt. That's where <laughs> the guys here, they all laugh. They're like, you haven't worked in a year. Like, you know, bro, <laughs> that is so a couple of things I got to go back to. So who you said it was Ben, Ben Cooter. And what's yep. the other guy's name? Wyatt Volker. So Volker, is he wrestling Jacob Warner today? This morning. I'll be in his corner. <laughs> so where's he at these days? Iowa State? You and I. You and I. Okay. Yep. Schwab mob. Respect. Yep. Um, and now I can't go literally an hour on Twitter without seeing this Ben Cooter. Is he just yeah. like a football star, wrestling star? What, what's his deal? Oh, man. He's, he's literally everything. <laughs> he's, really? He's an amazing athlete. So he's. So my brother-in-law is TJ Seabolt. So he's really a Seabolt kid. Hold um, on. Hold on. Yeah. Your brother-in-law is TJ? Yeah. So, Are you also related to the Vance Light family? No. But okay. I know all I know all the lights. I thought you were related to them. That's crazy. You're no. related to Seabolt. Okay. So sorry to interrupt yeah. you. Go ahead. So Ben would train with us a little bit when he couldn't make it over to Seabolt and whatnot. And kind of as his career is like expanded like in all sports, like the kid you know, needs places to train. So he trained here, you know, a little bit and whatnot when we could help him out. And it's like, that's when, and Wyatt needed a bigger guy to wrestle because he, he just had him and Tate and a few other guys. And Mickey Griffith was in here and a couple other kids who Mickey's at Iowa. Now he's wrestling this morning as well. But, um, you know, I was just wrestling these bigger kids and it just kept getting hurt, you know, and I don't know. And like, that's what, Ben, I saw him. He came to World Cup camp two weeks ago, and he was messing around. He grabbed me, and I was like, uh-uh, dude. I ain't got it for you no more. He can run like the wind. You know, he's a, a great baseball player, a great track kid, um, obviously a four-star uh, recruit in football, and the number one pound-for-pound pound kid in the country now in wrestling. Number one pound-for-pound? Pound. Yeah, Holy shit. I didn't realize he was yeah. that legit. Man, that's yeah. amazing. Is he going to wrestle junior or world play champ last year? Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I need to He's get an a, animal. I need to get the memo. That's insane. Um he okay, so is he going to wrestle or play football? I don't know. He's signed to do both at hmm. Iowa. I don't like so, that. That's a yeah. little scary. But we'll see we'll see what happens for him, you know. I just hope which, if he does both, I hope he gets, you know, a huge NIL deal and the kid gets what he deserves. <laughs> because if you're like that and you're going to play both sports, you know, in this day and age, that kid deserves to get paid. hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's amazing that he's that, that solid. And so that's how you got all these injuries. So, so basically you, you're at your farm, you step off a trailer and like a nerve got pinched and you just couldn't move it leveled you or what? Yeah, my sister and my dad were standing next to me, and I was, like, literally trying to get back to my feet. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was so weird. 
And that's what, so I'd seen the specialist at the university before that. And he told me, he's like, at some point, this is going to become unbearable for you. And he's like, it'll be like someone flipped a light switch. Cause they were already telling me you have nerves pinched down, you have bulge um, and herniated discs in your neck. Um, he's like, you know, you look like a wrestler that's wrestled his whole life. It's destroyed. Um, and so like, I remember when we were coming home, I'm like texting my wife and I was like almost in tears telling my dad, I'm like, I can't explain to you how bad this hurts. I'm like, I'm going to the hospital tomorrow. I'm like going to get this scheduled. Well, me and my wife had engagement photos. And so she's tougher than I am, you know, being a Siebel, it's in her. And so she's like, you're not getting surgery before our engagement photos because they're going to cut my throat wide open. So I had to wait like uh, a few weeks and to get the surgery. And like, even like in the, uh, in the waiting room, like I'm like having my wife, like she's like stretching my arm and stuff. Like it was so uncomfortable. I didn't sleep for a long time. It was crazy. I, I would like all the surgeries I've ever had. I would take them all over having that neck pain again. And, you know, the one of the worst things that could happen to a person is sleep deprivation. So if you're not sleeping, everything else is just amplified. Yeah, it, that made things real rough. <laughs> so your wife I had is... four surgeries in a row and didn't sleep for like, you know, six months anyways after you're, that. So. You're a machine, man. So your wife is TJ's sister, though? Yep. So you know she's seen some toughness in her day. I mean, oh, yeah. oh my God. Yep. And it, it's funny because, you know, when you think about the two clubs in iowa you know in our day it was ubasa and now it's it's definitely seabolt and then big game all i hear about is you two and so it's crazy that i had no idea you were related so do you yeah. guys ever do like any joint clubs or is it pretty separate um no we keep things pretty separate um he does his thing i do my thing we compete hard against each other but like you know we work together like there was a tournament here in corville um not long ago where the two of us were just like hey like there's not a lot of kids signed up for this why don't we just take all of our kids and we're going to get a bunch of good matches against each other. It was actually the day of the Iowa state duel. So we were like, we can go do this and we can go to the Iowa state duel right after this. Wow. We did that, you know, and you know, obviously me and TJ talk about wrestling um, a lot together. So it's, um, but w like I said, we, we both do our own thing and we both compete hard. For sure. And what I've read about your club is that you take a whole, a holistic approach, not to say Seabolt doesn't, but um, it just seems like you guys really emphasize that. And I've heard interviews you've done with Flo and other people. And it's like, you guys are doing not just the on the mat stuff. Like what, what else are you guys doing? So uh, we, yeah, we have, we do the wrestling obviously, but then again, like, you know, I want the kids to understand, like, if you, if you ask a lot out of these kids, you know, you have to be able to show them that you care about them. So we do a lot of stuff outside of it um you know mainly hunting so we have like a basically a hunting division of what we do where we take um kids and veterans hunting through an organization called giving back outdoors that i work with as well and so you know we spend a lot of time in the woods and fishing and you know different trips with our kids that way um you know we provide a lot of different experiences for the kids too of you know buying them tickets to like world cup and things like that um, I, I just am a firm believer in like anywhere where my dad and like the kids that I grew up with, our parents, like we went somewhere, like we stayed a couple of days after that. Like, and our parents made sure that we knew that wrestling was one thing, but like it was, there was more to it. 
And so like, that's what I want these kids to understand. And especially, like I said, I mean, if you're going to stand in a wrestling room and yell and expect a lot out of a kid, like, you know, you have to have that relationship with them. You don't just, you don't, just because you're the coach doesn't give you the right to, you know, to, you know, chew a kid's ass and make him, you know, do something like, no, you have to respect that kid the same and, and show them that you respect them because they're an individual as well. And that's where I think when you build that coach to athlete relationship that way, you know, you're by the time they're in high school, those kids will freaking run through a wall for you, you know? And that's, you know, that's kind of my experience with the kids that I've coached so far is, is like, you know, they're my athletes, but you know, some of them are my best friends. I mean, Jarrett Dagan, that kid, you know, when I started coaching him, I was like 21 years old. And, you know, he's only a few years younger than me. Like he's literally like one of my best friends in the whole world, you know, and that's a kid I coached. And, you know, some of these old, you know, boys that just graduated last year, you know, I think we graduated like 13 seniors, but those kids, like, I mean, I can't, I couldn't even measure the amount of time that we've spent together. Um, you know, you share your lives together. And that's why when you share your lives together, you have to do it outside of a wrestling room as well. You get to look into each other's, you know, everything. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, you're wise beyond your years because that is every coach that's come on here and has like had a lot of success. They always talk about that. And I'm thinking specifically about one of my mentors, Mike Powell, his coaching philosophy is trust, love, and truth. And like, once yeah. they trust you, you show them the love, actually it's, you show them the love, then they trust you. Then you can be real with them, but you can't yeah. be direct with them until you've shown them over time that, that, you know, you're trustworthy. So, wow. That's, yeah. It's cool that you're taking that approach, man, because we've all seen the worst of the sport when it's just hard-ass coach, busting ass, kids are feeling bad about themselves, and there's a lot of that. I think it's really changed over the past 10 to 15 years for the better. Um, so I got to hit you with, with two quick questions, man. I know you're coaching today. Tell me about how you – so after your double surgery in Iowa, yep. you're in a wheelchair. Was there like an emotional down period for you when you kind of set in that like, tell me about that. Uh, you know, man, I, I, <laughs> that, yeah, it was bad, real bad. Um, for that, you know, I remember, you know, Tom Brands having me sit in a wheelchair for the Iowa, Iowa State meet and, you know, something that I had looked forward to my whole life, um, and sitting there for that. And then, you know, every time I would get healthy, it'd be bam again, bam again, you know, all the way through the end. And, I think that that's something that a lot of people don't talk about in wrestling is, is it's like, you know, you do become depressed. I mean, it's tough. It's hard to be hurt and it's hard to be hurt for that long. And, um, you know, those wounds were open for a long time with me. Um, and you know, the people closest to me know that, you know, not always maybe did I handle, um, the, the emotions, the best, you know, and, uh, I ended up moving to Montana, you know, probably because of it when I was done with wrestling and it's ultimately what led me to start the club and it took a long time, but I, I think the, the club and my family, um, you know, the people around me helped me close those doors um, to the point where, you know, I don't look back now definitely at all. And I, I honestly, I wouldn't trade wrestling on those mats for, what I have now with the kids I get to coach and I wouldn't be the person I am and definitely not the coach that I am um, for those reasons. So it was tough. 
but I mean, and for a long time, not just like the months after those, that surgery, it was years and years after that. Well, I'm uh, glad you talk about it because a lot of people, even if you had a successful college career and you wrestled all four or five years, even when you're done with that, and let's say you don't become a college coach, there's a depression for everyone because your whole purpose in life has changed. Like before it was all about yeah. the next season, the next season, the next season, and now it's gone. And it's a big void. You know, yeah. professional athletes feel it later. Wrestlers feel it right away because we're done. Yeah, I, I really, you know, I, I talk in smaller circles, maybe about, you know, you see a lot of athletes, they lose their identity. And it's sad. It's sad that like someone would put that much care into something that that's the only thing they care about and you see guys that their professional lives fall off because of it or that they sit there and tell you about how good they were oh. 20 years ago and whatnot and like I mean there's there's guys you bump into and you're just like man I can't even I don't even want to talk to that guy because of it or whatever you know um like you can't live in the past like and you know I always tell people like you know I coach with Jesse Whitmer who's literally a legend legend like that's a guy you should get on your thing too, and have. I will. I definitely tell will. his story. I mean, that guy's. But you would never hear Jesse talk about winning an NCAA title and being one of the you know most famous Iowa wrestlers of all time, um, because that you know that was a goal. But you know things were different after that. You know he had professional goals and things like that. And that's where again, like where we coach and why it's so unique for us to have our business right here. Our kids, most of these kids that come through the club, at some point. They lay sod for crew landscaping and they get to feel what it's like to dig, you know, with a shovel and to get their ass chewed, you know, on a job site. And it starts at the top with my dad who dropped out of college and started uh, a landscaping business with a, a lawnmower and a pickup and is, you know, pretty well built an empire. And these kids get to see that. So they know firsthand and we talk about it every night that there's life after wrestling and it's cool to be an NCAA champ. It's cool if you wanted to be a world champ and everything like that. But guess what? Like, even for those guys, it's over at some point. And you have to then be able to have a life, you know, that is successful after that. And lots of wrestlers are successful because of that. But, you know, there's there's individuals that fall through the cracks or, you know, it's. Bro, I see it about one out of, I said two out of every 10 interviews I do, I walk away a little depressed because I'm like, wow, that person just did not move on. Like that their best years are when they were 19 years old. And it's like, yeah. that's it's it uh, it hurts your heart a little bit. And it just kind of makes you like rethink things. And you're like, we need to talk more about life after wrestling. And there was a guy on my podcast, Connor Beebe, who was a legend at Montini in Chicago. I either wrestled him or his brother. I can't. His remember. brother was our age. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Carson. Yeah. yeah, Carson. But his older brother went to Central Michigan and he said when he, he was done with college, he didn't know what to do. Like he yeah. was totally lost. Like didn't know. And that's, then that's, I'm not singling him out. That's a lot of people who've been on the yeah. show said that, you know? Well, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was. <laughs> that's why I moved to Montana and, you know, was trying to figure out who I was again, you know, and, um, like I said, I'm just extremely lucky because of, you know, my wife who's been with me for all these years, she went through, you know, the darkest times with me of that stuff. And then to have my dad and my brothers, um, who my dad's had up and downs in his life as well professionally. And, you know, he always is just like, dude, it's just another wrestling match. Like get back on top. Like, 
You know I mean, go get another takedown or stand up and do something about it. And so like, you know, that again, like that's where we coach kids in wrestling, but you know, you, you got to help them in life too. And that's where, you know, I'm so proud of our kids here that, you know, it'd be easy for all of our kids just to go to one of the three state schools and, you know, mm -hmm. because they're from Iowa and not, well, I got kids wrestling literally across the country now at different schools. Um, and I, some of them made tough decisions. I mean, Hunter Garver made a, a life decision based off of life after wrestling to go to Stanford. And to me, like smart move, Hunter, yeah, smart. Exactly. Move. <laughs> like, I mean, like I said, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of people that are going to have success in athletics. There's very few that are going to have a degree that means something when they're done. And you know, that that's success to me. That's what, you know, I believe that that kid heard the message when, when kids make decisions like that, they hear the message. You know what I mean? Um, Wyatt Volker, you know, choosing you and I because of who the coaches are and what he believes in and that, you know, a greater good. He heard the message, you know, and, you know, there's other examples, you know, like Mickey Griffith, who ended up at Iowa. You want to be a, a lifelong uh, Hawkeye and you want to chase your dreams. You heard the message because what it means, what it means to you to do that as well. So, you know, it's that's the whole thing is, is if these kids hear the message to chase their own dreams and to be successful when they're done, then then we've succeeded because everybody's going to win and everybody's going to lose there and on a wrestling mat right absolutely and i i'm so glad you guys are pushing that message in in, in you know just to fast forward you go to montana you start the club out there you you coach uh was it is it jared duggan that's how you pronounce Deegan. it Deegan, excuse Deegan, me yeah. he goes to iowa state and then so eventually you move back to iowa and and you have this this um i'm calling it an academy a, a mega club you have two locations big game wrestling so if you're in the quad cities they have one in Bettendorf, and they're out of Craig Wagner's place over at Agogi. Um, well, it used to be Agogi, now it's merged. Um, so Iowa City, Bettendorf. Let me ask you this though, before totally off topic, we got to yep. hit on this. How long do you got? I just want to talk I'm, about this. I have, I got time. I'm good. Okay, real quick. All right. So for folks who don't know, when we were in high school, Iowa City West came to a tournament that my high school hosted in Tiny Geneseo, Illinois, and it brought the best Chicago teams, kind of like the Dan Gable Donnybrook. Kind of yep. like that. And there was this team, St. Rita, one of the best teams. And they had John Starzik, who most people probably never heard of John Starzik unless you're from Illinois. Unbelievable kids wrestler, three-time high school state champ. And him and Nate Moore squared off. What do you remember from this whole exchange? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I remember it was like, it was. I think it was one and two in the country. If not, it was like two it was. and three. Yeah, yeah I, I think it was one and two in the country. And we would go to Dvorak, we would go to Geneseo. And like I said before, Illinois and Iowa don't like each other when it comes to prep sports or at least wrestling. It's very heated. And so I think there was some, you know, some bad blood leading up to it because of I think we won Dvorak a couple times and we won Geneseo maybe. And we my freshman year, I think, you know, St. Rita was good. Province Catholic was good. Like those teams were legit. And we got our asses whipped by them a couple times, you know, in tournament settings and whatnot. Well, our best kid in the state of Iowa is Nate Moore. And at the time, John Starzik was probably the best kid in Illinois. And I mean, they're on a collision course for this, you know, gladiator moment 
It's in that gym, you know, which isn't like huge or yeah. anything. And all the focus is on this match. And, um, you know, the way I remember it is that Nate gets hit with a cutback cradle and uh, John's scores five points and ends up being a good match or whatever, but he wins. And what happened next was just complete chaos. <laughs> remember hearing some screaming and yelling. And I looked up in the stands and I saw Starzik's old man and his uncle in the West High section where all of our parents were. And I know those guys that I grew up with. Um, and they are most of them are from Dubuque, Iowa, and don't take nothing from nobody. And uh, then you throw in the St. John's from <laughs> Belle Plaine and whatnot. You know, you got a lot of rednecks in one little area. And uh, next thing you know, there was punches being thrown and people getting thrown off a balcony. Uh, I mean, literally, remember that? that I'll, I mean, I'll never forget it. Bro, I'll, yeah. Watch it, the yeah. one dude go ass over apple carts over the rail. I mean, people, the whole, it looked like the, the crowd just caved in on itself because people, so many people were fighting then there was police there it was they stopped the tournament remember like oh yeah crazy so this tournament started on friday and and it was like the finals were like three on saturday and like the semis were done at like 11 a.m saturday so from 11 to 3 everyone's uptown getting tuned up and the saint rita guys they're not the north siders that are super wealthy the south suburban guys are gritty kind of like just tough nasty dudes like very yeah. tough and um, probably the equivalent of a redneck for like city people like just yeah. gritty they'll fight anyone they have really thick accents and so yeah that's the scene and they're heavy drinkers and i'm sure the iowa city west parents like a beer or two and uh yeah. so this is the scene and everyone's kind of tuned up and there was like a real hatred for iowa and high school wrestling at the time yeah like it, it was it was it was uh it was evident and i forgot you guys went to dvorak now that you say that yeah, it was, I mean, it was, that scene was probably one of the most memorable things I've ever seen in a wrestling setting in my life. And I don't even think it was that bad. That's how crazy I am. I'm like, that was awesome. Like, right. Oh. Like that was, that was cool. Nowadays people would literally go to jail. There'd be lawsuits. Kids would, you know I mean? Be in trouble for if they were there taking videos, all kinds of stuff. It would just be, it would be completely different. Like they would be all over Twitter, ESPN, you know, all that stuff. And then there's guys like us that just remember it because we were there and we get to laugh about it. It was epic. <laughs> and like you said, 15 minutes later, the show went on and nothing happened. No one yeah. got arrested. Like like you said, now the videos, the teachers, the yeah, that that would be that just bums me out because that was the best part about it is that after all this happens, people are even more testosterone up and the matches go on, right? And then yeah. there's more just great finals. So it's like, man, this there's not many people who remember it that clearly like you do. And like, I'm so glad because the following year they wrestled again and Nate Moore got the win. And so yeah. they went one and one, but like, bro, that was, it was just so intense. It was crazy. And what was, you know, now that I'm thinking about it too, like when you think about those guys wrestling, think about how short and stocky Nate Moore was and how long and lanky John Starzer was mm -hmm. like, that was like a, a stylistic matchup. That was crazy too. And like the first match John won probably because of that. Right, because of his advantages in the second match, Nate won because of his, you know, style and you know advantages with his body, and it's crazy. And then they, you know, I think what it starts. I kind of going to Oklahoma. He went to OU, yeah, and he 
transferred after that somewhere. I can't remember. I think he ended up having a, a decent smaller college career, maybe. Am I right? I don't know. When I was at Dvorak as a freshman, you remember Pat McCaffrey? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he lived with Seabolts. I know, bro. He's, yeah, he's... My wife just raised her hand from the other Oh, room. is she in there? She, oh. Yeah, she lived with him. So, Bro, Pat McCaffrey transferred to Montini. This was the last year we went to Dvorak. I was a freshman. Starzik makes the finals, kills everybody. Pat McCaffrey makes the finals. No one knows who Pat McCaffrey is. He tech falls Starzik in the finals. Bro, it was like, what the fuck is this kid? Like, yeah. Dvorak was insane. Tough. Absolutely. I mean, that tournament was crazy because I wrestled in it uh, three times. And, like, I remember, like, the first year, like, Albert White was um, maybe a senior. And, like, I remember watching him and I was just like, whoa, this <laughs> dude is legit. And then, like, I wrestled Spangler in the finals my first year. Chris or Brian? Uh, Chris. And How'd that go? 119 pounds. I beat him. And the next year, he was at 171 and wrestled Gambrel. Yes. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, yeah. How I, many times did you win Dvorak? Three. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. That's, that's his, I'm telling you, like, for to come into an Illinois tournament, win it three times, that had to feel good. And you you guys said that the yeah. team won a couple times? Yeah, I think I'm trying to, I can't remember that. I think we won it twice when I was in high school, but I might be mistaken on that. But I mean, that was a tough tournament because we always went to, we went to the Minnesota Christmas tournament, the clash, Dvorak and Geneseo. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. You went to the Minnesota Christmas tournament. Yeah. We were, we were chasing it down back then because Ryland wanted us to be public school national champs. And so we had to wrestle everybody. If we could, you know, I mean, try to get as many good matches as we could. Isn't it crazy how much high school wrestling's changed from 2007, 2008 to now? Like, those were like the national tournaments back then. Like, I didn't hear about anyone yeah. going to Ironman. I don't remember anyone talking about any of like the beast of the. I know it was going on, but maybe just because the internet was just kind of like flow was taken off that yeah. we didn't hear about it. But I don't remember hearing about any of that shit. No, me neither. And like, I remember like uh, Chris Villalonga turned out to be like one of my good friends. And like, he was a Jersey kid, wrestled at Blair. Like the only times I ever heard about that stuff was when Orlando, his dad would call my dad and then my dad would be like, Oh yeah, well, Chris wrestled here this week. And I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Right. I mean, like super 32. I, what, you know, that wasn't a, I mean, maybe we were just Midwest kids, you know, with our heads in the sand. I don't know, but whatever. I think that's what it was, man. It's a, uh... Fargo was like it for us. Like, and that's kind of like how our, you know, my high school and like the boys I grew up with, it was like state titles, cool or whatever. But like, that's just a stepping stone. Like that doesn't even count. Like if you, you win high school state, great. What counts is if you win Fila cadets or if you win Fila juniors or Fargo, like that's the only way you're going to be a certified badass in our world. Right. Is <laughs> if you win those, that's it. The that's rest just, of it doesn't matter. <laughs> that's just a meat locker, man. You guys are, that's, that's the level that was expected. And it showed, man, you guys put together some of the best teams that, you know, in Iowa history. And it's uh it was fun to, fun to watch it from afar. And it's, it's awesome to see what you guys are all doing now, man. And I'm glad yeah. to finally have you on the podcast. It's been a long time coming and yeah. bro, next time I'm out there, I'm coming through. Yeah, I want to, bro, I'm one of those people that have never shot a gun in my life. So you're oh, going to, you. you're going to take me. I need, I need help, man. I need to, I need, I need the extracurriculars that your kids are doing. Yeah. I'll take you. You'll come in here and you'll see all the, 
dead animals and stuff. We got a bunch of mounts and whatnot. But <laughs> they'll trip you up when you come in here. People love to see it, and we'll go out and shoot some guns or something. Maybe uh, yeah, if it works out, take you hunting. That'd be great, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Good luck to your guys today. And yeah, uh, yeah it's been fun, brother. All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Look forward to it next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wrestling Changed My Life with Dylan Carew. This episode is brought to you by Spartan Combat. Shop the Kyle Dake and Yanni Diakamahalis wrestling shoes now at SpartanCombat.com. This episode is also brought to you by Beat the Street Chicago. Go to btschicago.org slash donate to help every Chicago youth say that wrestling changed their life. And that's it, folks. We'll see you later this week with a new episode of Wrestling Changed My Life.